I'm Rico. And I'm Jessica. And this is the Always the Critic podcast where a couple of friends review the latest movies, except we literally have zero qualifications to do so. Jessica, it has been a while. It's been a long time since we've recorded. I think the last time we did something was... Dungeons and Dragons. Dungeons and Dragons. Yeah. (laughs) And then we did see Super Mario Brothers. We were going to record it, but then I went on vacation for like a really long time. Yep. You were gone for a while. I was gone for a while. Yeah. And then on my side, uh, just to peel the curtain back a little bit, um, the reason why I didn't do any episodes during that time, one week, it was my birthday, so I decided to take that week off, but really... The big reason was that in our family, there was, um, we found out that my mother has cancer. So, you know, there's been a lot of, you know, a lot of moving pieces and moving parts in terms of how do we care for her, you know, everything that we need to do. Um, you know, I had to take some time to also, you know, kind of work through my emotions on that as well. Absolutely. Learning that information. So it, so it wasn't easy, uh, Learning that information, um, we are in a better spot right now. I'm in a better spot right now. And for those who do know, those who were aware, uh, thank you for your kind words that you've sent. I really appreciate that uh, in this time. And uh, But we are here now. We are here for some fun, some lighthearted, uh, you know, back and forth we're back at the movies we're back at the movies you know what better time to kind of come back to the podcast than to review a marvel movie because we got one it's the start of summer (laughs) yeah Yeah. it's the start of summer so you knew marvel had something ready so before we get started on that marvel review if this is your first time listening first off thank you so much for listening and sticking with us Go ahead and subscribe to your favorite podcast app. We're on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and many more. And if you go ahead and like us, you could give us a review on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. Five stars goes a long way for us. Come and check us out on social media to stay up to date on our latest episodes and reviews. You can find us on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, and TikTok at AlwaysCriticPod. And lastly, if you're a fan, the best way to be a fan is to become a patron. It's a great way for you to get involved and show your support. You can check out the page on patreon.com slash alwayscriticpod. And thank you to our patrons, Curtis Bale, Cindy CD, Alana, Grace, Lorna, and Lee. Thank you so much for being patrons. We really appreciate the support. Yeah. Now, today, it's time to face the music as we are going to (laughs) review Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 3. Jessica... Let us know, what is this movie about? IMDb synopsis, still reeling from the loss of Gamora, Peter Quill rallies his team to defend the universe and one of their own, a mission that could mean the end of the Guardians if not successful. Now, this movie is directed and written by James Gunn. He is the director for the first two movies as well. Plus, he also uh, wrote or co-wrote those first two movies as well. This is the last time we'll be seeing James Gunn in the Marvel side because he is now running things over at dc so he is going to be the head of dc so yes so we'll see how that works going forward uh but in the meantime i think he's already he what is he already fired henry cavill (laughs) sure yeah and and gal gadot Gadot. Uh, (laughs) so 
we'll see how that works out. <laughs> we'll see. We'll keep an eye on it. In the meantime, uh, this movie stars a lot of people that we are familiar with from the previous movies. We have Chris Pratt, Bradley Cooper, voicing Rocket Raccoon, of course, uh, Palm Clementife. We have uh, Karen Gillan, Dave Bautista, Vin Diesel, who voices Groot. Uh, <laughs> Also returning, Sean Gunn, who is James Gunn's brother. Uh, we have also Elizabeth Debicki coming back from Volume 2. Man, Volume 2 feels so long ago now that I think about it. It was like back in 2017 at this oh point. Oh my God. Yeah. 2017? So, so yeah. So it took me a while to register. Oh wait, that's right. Elizabeth Debicki was in Volume 2. I almost she, forgot. To, to us, she's Princess Diana. Yeah. Well, exactly. To me... She's, Who is she? Who is she to you? That that's a great question. She's actually the uh, the antagonist villain from Man from Uncle to me. Get out! Yeah, man. The Man from Uncle. Yeah, she is. That's fantastic. where you're pulling. Yeah, that's what I'm pulling. I'm pulling from there. Yeah, Whoa. I know. I know. It's pretty wild. Whoa. In the meantime, those are the people who are returning. The people who are new to the cast. Uh, we have Will Poulter, who's playing Adam Warlock. We have Maria Bakalova, who plays the voice of Cosmo. Uh, we'll talk about that in a little while. But more importantly, the villain for this movie, the High Evolutionary, is played by... I am going to have a hard time with the name. <laughs> Shakuri okay. Uji. All right. I think I'm close on that one. I don't think that's a complete butcher. I don't think so. I hope not. Might be a um, partial butcher, though. Uh, thank you. <laughs> Apologies to the high evolutionary. Apologies, indeed. So, now, how did this movie do with critics and at the box office? So, box office, it's made a little bit of money. It's made $114 million domestic and $282.1 million worldwide since opening. For reference, we've got some other openings here. For Guardians 1, the opening was 93.4 mil. For Guardians 2, the opening was 146.5 million. So, yes. Yeah. So, it's doing pretty well. I think so. I think yeah. so. Yeah. Uh, the Rotten Tomato score, it's got an 81% critic score and a 95% audience score. The critics' consensus reads a galactic group hug that might squeeze a little too tight on the heartstrings. The f- what? The final Guardians of the Galaxy is a loving last hurrah for the MCU's most ragtag family. So now we're going to get into our actual review of the movie. Yeah. Um, so uh, first off, what did you think of the movie? Uh, really enjoyed it, actually. It went for the emotional jugular. Oh, yeah, it did. It did. And made a lot of really... Uh, cute and smart choices and I think they kept the plot really simple which is helpful for people like me who don't like so much intersectingness in MCU movies right the casual more of a casual fan Mm -hmm. so this was really easy to follow and I think this is my second favorite Guardians movie I still like the first one better I really disliked the second movie Volume two. Gotcha. So when it comes to the trilogy, I put this in the middle as well because I also am not that big a fan of part two. I I don't hate it, but I I just have never had the urge to revisit it like I did part one. Part one is very enjoyable and it's very I also like the music in part one. 
yes, I like the music in part one more than the one in part two. Right. We'll get to the music here in part three in a bit. I really enjoyed this movie. Uh, for me, I think probably easily the best movie since Endgame. So in this new I phase. I might agree with that. Yeah, because uh, its main competition for me would be like Wakanda Forever or Shang-Chi. Those yeah, would be like same. the two competitors for best movie of this you know phase. I really like Shang-Chi though. Oh, yeah. Yeah, so did Gosh. I. Yeah, it, it's it's one of my... Wakanda Forever is pretty good. Yeah, it, Shang-Chi is really high on my list of like MCU movies. It's really high up there. Um, but this one I, I would say is a little bit better than that. Um, overall, I think everybody brought their A game in, in the movie. Um, it's a lot of fun. Boy, do they pull at the heartstrings. I did not think I would get as emotional as I did in this movie. <laughs> um, yeah. I My sister hearing, cried twice. Yeah. I kept hearing like stories of like people being emotional and going, and I'm just like, let's see if I could keep it together. And there was a couple of times where I definitely did cry, uh, during the movie. Mm -hmm. uh like the movie really knows how to like pull at the heartstrings there um and so i appreciated um just the way james gunn was able to kind of take everything that's happened in between the last movie and this one so like all the stuff with like endgame and all that stuff he kind of like pushes it to the side right and he only takes like one thing character study yeah, he only takes one thing. One he only character. takes Gamora. Gamora is like because they they change the character completely in between the movies because spoiler if you haven't seen the MCU, uh <laughs> Gamora gets killed, but then in in the whole Endgame thing, they were able to bring her back, but it's a different they version took a of different- Gamora. Yeah, like an earlier version of Gamora. Exactly. So she hasn't had the character growth and the experiences that the old Gamora had. And Peter Quill is heartbroken. Yes. Because that's not his girl, really. No, it's not. It's not. And everybody has taken on a journey in this movie. I, I really like seeing the development of each character. Each mm-hmm. character gets their moment to shine. It's And... You look at the cast and you think, man, that's a lot of people in the cast. How are they going to fit everyone? But they do divvy it up pretty well. Being able to, you know, highlight like, oh, here's the strength of this character. Here's the strength of that character. So overall, I thought they did a great job. And I'm talking about everyone that we know already going into the movie. So I wanted to ask you, what are your thoughts on the villain and some of the newcomers into the movie. I didn't really understand the villain. And then I was so bad that I didn't really. I thought that maybe we had seen him before. And mm. then my sister was like, I don't think we've seen that dude before. Uh, you're talking about the high, the evolutionary? high evolutionary. No, yeah. this was the first time we had ever seen him. Okay. So he hadn't been in the MCU at all. Right. So. I think that the performance was better than the way the character was crafted on paper. Mm, okay. I if see what you're saying. That makes any sense. Because I think he was making some really good choices and he was doing a lot of micro expressions and then he mocked Rocket at one point and I was like, yeah, that's the pu- that's pure devil rewrite there. So Yeah. Um and we could talk about that scene more in spoilers, but honestly, I was okay with him. 
I just think they tried to throw a lot of like ethical and moral quandaries. And it's not a quandary because he's most definitely wrong (laughs) in the way he in the way he thinks. I think some of the best villains in the MC are the ones where you're like, but I can kind of see them. I can see see their point. point. (laughs) Like, yeah. (laughs) But in this case, you don't see his point. You can't understand him. You don't get behind him. You're just like, yeah, he's evil. And it's a wonder that he has anybody loyal to him. Mm, I see. Um, I really enjoyed the, the acting performance. I think um, the performances that Uji uh, does throughout the movie is like, like it's hammy and it's, you know, He's chewing scenery for sure. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And it's very enjoyable. And at the same time, all the actions of the character make you hate the character and make you want to see that character suffer. Mm-hmm. So I think there there's a good line that you can draw with villains on whether you can acknowledge and kind of see their point versus a villain. It's like you hate their guts and you want them like destroyed Mm -hmm. killed whatever it is and he definitely falls on that side of the spectrum uh Mm -hmm. for me so overall i thought it was pretty good yeah like i think it's the characterization is a little bit one note in terms of like i want to do this and there's nothing else presented there's nothing else to kind of bring the audience to his side you know Mm -hmm. in, in the argument uh but overall i think it was still pretty good the other big addition to the movie was Will Poulter. Will Poulter plays Adam Warlock. Okay. Yeah. This I is where pure, I have my nitpick. Purely confused. Yeah, this is my nitpick on this one. Oh, okay. On the movie. Uh, for so for me, so Adam Warlock is actually a really cool character in Marvel Comics themselves. Um, he is this evolutionary character who is cosmic and has these powers can go at one point he could go up against thanos one-on-one if he wanted to like you know that's how powerful and strong he could be (laughs) the way they treated the character here i was not exactly thrilled with his uh with the way they characterize the character itself Mm -hmm. um i will say that in the tone of the movie, I get what they were doing. You know, they they were having some fun with the character, uh, making him a little dumb almost <laughs> with You're the way they portrayed. Yeah. But at the end of the day, I I just found it a little weak because of how I know the character. I know the character has uh-huh. like this power that is you know almost unfathomable unfathomable so you're saying that they neutered him yes yes easily easily neutered him okay so that was my problem with like the characterization of the character i was looking forward to adam warlock i was looking Mm -hmm. forward to seeing how they would portray him and i wasn't really a fan yeah okay and what do you think i don't know anything about him i don't know anything about his powers i don't know that he can stand toe-to-toe with Thanos or whatever. But, yeah, he just seemed a little bit dumb mm-hmm. and weak. 
but indestructible. Like for more than anything, he just seemed indestructible. Like they can't kill him. Yeah, exactly. And that was it. Like I don't. He had no brains, no allegiances, just like brute force, and you get like there's no other than just being endearingly stupid. There's not there's not much to latch onto there. He's not a freaking Iron Man of a personality, okay? No, definitely not. And he's not really that type of character in the comics oh, either. I'm just so. saying. I'm just saying. Yeah. In no, terms I, of, I know what you mean. What a, do I have a good grasp of what this char- like what his personality is, what his hopes and dreams and goals are? You know. Yeah. That's not the case at all. <laughs> and I'm using the the most strongest personality in the MCU, Iron Man's Robert Downey, to make an a point here. Compa- an unfair <laughs> comparison. It's unfair, but I'm making it's to make my point. Okay. I yes, I get it. It is to make a point. Totally makes sense to me. Um, so overall, a little lacking from that character, but over. I think. Besides that, I think everybody else is pretty much up to par or better in this movie. Really um, pleased with how they did Mantis in this movie. Yes. Yeah, there we go. So A lot more Mantis in this movie. And I thought it was she was really strong. Um, Palm was in her role as Mantis more so than any of the other movies. So, Yeah. You know what I'm really excited about uh, for Palm is seeing her in Dead Reckoning Part 1 later this year. She's playing a villain, and I'm really excited for that. Oh, my God. Yeah, dude. Nuh-uh. Yeah, she's playing a villain. I'm excited. Palm girly. Yeah. In a, oh, my God. Yeah, it's okay. going to be great. Uh, so uh, let's talk about the music in this movie real quick. So actually, you know what? Before we talk about the music, because if people haven't seen it, uh, maybe they don't want to be spoiled about right, it. Right. What is the letter grade that you're giving this movie? give it a b got it uh i settled on a a minus okay so uh those are our grades for guardians of the galaxy volume three we're gonna go ahead and talk about spoilers right after this the greatest trick houston we have a problem i am the father i see dead people the devil ever pulled pay no attention to that man behind the curtain was convincing the world you can't the truth he didn't exist oh what's in the box all right let's go ahead and talk spoilers for guardians of the galaxy volume three yeah uh, as i was saying just before uh music uh so how did you feel about the musical choices in this volume that we got uh love them period i thought they were really good <laughs> really memorable obviously the florence pull at the end of the movie was really touching and very appropriate a bit of a surprise i haven't heard that song in like 10 years so yeah what'd you think what'd you think of the music what was your favorite like needle drop um a great needle drop for me was uh uh no sleep till brooklyn by beastie boys oh yeah yeah, i think that was a great addition especially where it came in the movie Mm -hmm. uh that slow walk into that uh one take that they did the oneer uh near the end that was a good one um i want to say that there was one there um 
since you've been gone, which we heard in the trailer um, by the band called Rainbow, I thought that was a really good choice as well. That was a good needle drop. Um, the dog days are over. Not a bad one. So I'm not saying it's a it's bad one. It's surprising because it's recent. More right. Recent. It's more recent. And the reason why is because now they have a Zune. Yeah. Now they <laughs> instead of a cassette player. <laughs> yes. <laughs> not enough was made about the Zune. Uh, and <laughs> the so kids don't know. <laughs> no, they don't. And I really enjoyed the last one. I will. Oh, you know what? I really like the opening one, which was Creep by Radiohead. Yes. I think which is was, all over TikTok. Have you seen yeah, the Yeah, it has. It? it totally yeah. has. It's the acoustic version. So uh, it's a really stripped down version. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And then I'm glad that they brought back Come and Get Your Love by Redbone. Oh. That was oh. very necessary to bring back. Yes. Full yeah. circle. Yeah. So, so overall, I think a very good soundtrack throughout for sure. Mm-hmm. All right, so let's talk about uh, our favorite moments since we're in spoilers. Uh, I'll let you go first. What is a moment oh, that Lord. kind of pops into your head that you think, you know what, this is great? Uh, pretty much any moment where Rocket is with his friends in the cages Yo, dog. of the High Evolutionary's lab. Yo. And the otter... The Otter Lila was played by, um, oh my God, it's, um, <laughs> he just got injured. Uh, uh, um, oh, Jeremy Renner? <laughs> yes, Jeremy Renner. His character, Hawkeye. Hawkeye? Hawkeye's wife. Oh, in, in real life? No. Oh, Linda Cardellini. Yes, 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 yes. Thank you. Oh, okay. My God, that was so painful. I'm so sorry. But yeah, she played the Otter Lila. Oh, I see. I I I didn't peg the voice. I didn't. I didn't. It never clicked for me. Yeah. Oh, that's really nice. I know. But man, those scenes with them were so hard. So hard. They were just trying to like why and then why. Why am I crying over an otter? Over an otter, over a an rabbit. An otter with the robotic arms and a rabbit that has like a metal face shield and, and a spider seal arms. With <laughs> no, a walrus, a walrus in a wheelchair. Oh my god! Ah oh, man, it there's was... just no rhyme or reason. It's very like bits and bobs, right? Mm-hmm. But they know what to do like he knew what to do that james gunn knew what to do i was i was very emotional i didn't cry but my sister was crying multiple times throughout the movie i thought the final scene where rocket's sort of like uh almost dying and he goes to that white space yeah oh my god that space reminded me of harry potter harry potter yeah <laughs> and the otter <laughs> lila is dumbledore yeah oh my god pretty much <laughs> That is wild to me. Um, so, yeah, everything involving Rocket was just so emotional. The flashbacks were basically unassailable. Unassailable, best parts of the movie, really getting at the heart of this character that, sure, we know the character, but we've never learned the backstory. Right. So now knowing the history is mm-hmm. just devastating to know what what that character went through 
Mm-hmm. Uh, so, yeah, so that was great. Um, another part that I would say I really felt is when when Peter is trying to get to Gamora, like any of those little moments where he's trying to like talk to her and just like kind of like re-engage something in her mind to see if like something kind of like clicks like you know you can kind of feel the pain for him it's like he fell in love with someone and that person is standing right in front of him but doesn't know anything that happened yeah and you know so i felt a little bit for him in that but back to mantis Okay, man. Well, first of all, um, just to drive home your point about Peter Quill and his uh, emotional journey throughout the movie, I really like that scene where they're in the different colored spacesuits <laughs> and he tries to talk to her one on one. Oh my god! And he clicks the blue channel and he starts talking to her, and it is very emotional. I'm like, you know what? He's selling it. And then they break it with some comedy because they can all hear it's the channel for for all of them, and it. They have this stupid moment. I don't know. I don't know why James Gunn wrote this, but he did. Yeah. All the different colors don't correspond to their suits. No. And it's like so, blue is for everyone. Green yeah. is for yellow. Red is for orange. It's just like. It's and then like Mantis what? is like, it's very intuitive. It's very just, intuitive. Oh, my God. <laughs> so that was a really good scene. Um, okay. Back to you. So. Mantis. I think yes. this is a huge movie for Mantis. Big movie. Because she gets multiple moments. Like there's the moments where she's dealing with Drax mm-hmm. and trying to get through to him um like what his purpose is and also uh what her purpose is because she's obviously she feels like the person who doesn't get any attention. She mm-hmm. doesn't feel respected. She doesn't feel like she's listened to. Mm-hmm. To the point where she has to feed the information to Drax mm-hmm. and have Drax deliver it to Peter just right. to try to get a point across to Peter about what his life has become. Mm-hmm. Um, I love that she stands up for herself finally near the end. Like she stands up to Nebula. She stands up to Drax. She's no longer that timid figure. Mm-hmm. She really is allowed to yeah, grow. I think she comes into her own. In this movie, and they give her a lot of heavy lifting in the in the comedy stuff. Oh yeah, that's true. Anytime mm-hmm. she lands when they fall, she like lands in the most devastating ways. Like she'll land like on her neck, and just like every time they fall, if you didn't notice it, every time they fall, Mantis lands in the most like anyone would die if they landed that way. <laughs> But they, for some reason, decided, oh, yeah, it'll be funny when Mantis lands, like, backwards on her neck when they fall. <laughs> I guess you didn't notice it. I didn't notice oh, it at man. all. Oh, no. man. That that had me laughing every time. I caught it the first time, and then it happened again, and I was just like, oh, my God. I can't believe they're but you know what? Here's a nitpick that I have, is that a lot of the action sequences were sort of unintelligible, like, too close to the screen. Mm-hmm. Oh, okay. Too zoomed in, like what have you. Because we had pretty good seats. We weren't too far back. We weren't too close at all. And I was like, I don't understand what's going on. I can't figure out like what the even creature that's attacking them looks like. So that's, it was very like, you know, discombobulated. And Mm. yeah, I felt that very strongly about the movie. Oh, wow. Yeah. Okay. Gotcha. Um... 
I, I guess I, you didn't feel that way. <laughs> no, no. I I was able to, as I was watching it, I didn't really get confused as to what was happening, like action wise. Um, sure, I can I can agree. There's one moment, especially it's like messy when Adam Warlock is like flying on Counter Earth, like he's like zooming through really fast. Like it's kind of hard to make out like where he is at that moment because it's like you can't really put together like the okay was he here where is he flying to so that I, that part was a little confusing but other than that um, the action was intelligible at least to me <laughs> for okay. what I could go off of um, yeah I think that this is. Just a great movie. A great way for the Guardians to kind of go out. Because I don't see... I don't think we'll be seeing this exact group anymore. No. Like, Batista's no. done. Zoe Sadania is done. Um, I want to say there's someone else who's done. That they're just like... I no. didn't know that Zoe Sadania was done too. Yeah, she was like... She was actually... Uh, asking about possibly getting killed off in volume two. Oh my god uh but then like once like the whole like thing of mcu kind of like picked up they kind of learned like oh we kind of have a plan for that already but it's it's in this movie and they were like okay so i'll figure out a way because it was supposed to be and this is from james gunn uh james gunn said that instead of yondu dying it, it was going to be gamora in some way shape or form so because of the fact that the mcu had plans to use gamora in that in that way to kill her off then he changed it to yondu in volume two so well michael rooker makes makes an appearance in this he does movie. he does yeah. a brief moment it's like a force ghost <laughs> a force <laughs> ghost uh so and then so where we leave the Guardians, obviously we have a new team lead, led by Rocket now. Um, so we have him. We have uh, Sean Gunn. I don't know his real name. Uh, we have this little girl who was saved in, in the third act. Who, so what did you think about those children? Uh, this was a, a weird one to me. Like they really wanted to drive home like the point of like these are really good heroes. That they're going to save everyone. And on top of that, like, n not to not to get, like, political or anything. But this movie is, like, super, like... Oh. Oh. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, people, if you don't realize how, you know, l you know the agenda that this movie is setting, then yeah, obviously the you're kind cages. of... Yeah, kids in cages. Uh, animal cruelty. Like, yeah. obviously, you are not paying attention. No, no, no. It's like a leftist paradise. Oh, totally. Totally. But uh, I thought that the kids were super Spy Kids related because... So, <laughs> hear me out. Hear me out. Hear me out. So okay, okay. The, the white-haired kids are like the Spy Kid clone robots. They both, both... Especially because both of them are speaking in gibberish. Okay. If you don't remember as by kids, like the robots would open their mouth yeah. and be like, meow, 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 meow. <laughs> yeah, and they were speaking so the, gibberish as well. Which, yeah. And then he, the, the high evolutionary, wants Rocket's brain so that he can imbue them with intelligence. The same thing as spy kids because they need the brain to get inserted into all of like 
the spy kid robots so they can actually like function. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you feel me? Like I feel you. I feel you. <laughs> so. Okay. Thanks for hearing me out on that one. Yeah. Yeah, of course. Yeah. Anytime. Anytime. Uh, you started so, laughing right off the bat. I did. Yeah. All right. So anything else you wanted to say about the children? Uh, about the children? Uh, no, but they were they were there to uh, add an extra piece, an extra element uh, to the final act to you know to really drive home the point of we're going to save everyone. You know, we're not going to leave anyone behind uh, or anything like that. Uh, that's what I think of the purpose for them. And so then one of those little girls is now part of the Guardians of the Galaxy. Uh, this right. new iteration of them that has Adam Warlock, has Cosmo, the dog. Um, that eye roll. Sorry. That eye roll, man. Uh, so, I so yeah, I don't... So there's a few characters we're not going to see anymore for sure. But something that I found a little interesting was at the very end in the final credit scene is when they give us the tag, uh, the legendary, was it the legendary? The legendary, the legendary Star-Lord, Star-Lord will return. Will return, which was surprising to me because I was like, I thought Chris Pratt wanted out of these movies. And he must have been like, nah, you know what? The money's too good. Sign that check. <laughs> uh, because like the fact that he's coming back, I don't know if he'll be back like strictly in only Guardian movies or if they're trying to use him for like the MCU, especially with everything coming up that they're going to be doing mm. most likely. So that was a little surprising to me. Um, overall, oh, you know uh, what we haven't talked about yet? <laughs> so we have Groot. Yeah, what's up with Groot? So well, what I mean by that is like, physically because he doesn't look anything like the original Groot no. in volume one no he doesn't like why is his shape changing like this he's guy not this lanky... is jacked yeah like he's looks like vin diesel now he's been in versus... the gym. yeah yeah so what's up with that uh that's a good question I, like I the tree's growing differently suddenly i don't get it maybe i have no idea all right. I don't what know. What were you going to say about Groot? What I was going to say was that um, a very special moment came at the end of the movie. <gasps> yes. 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 Where all the Guardians are kind of like airing out, you know, their plans, what they're going to do. It's the breakup of the band. It's the breakup of the band. And, you know, they're all kind of acknowledging Rocket as the new leader. And then we finally hear Groot in regular old English say... I love you guys. That was wonderful. I know. Uh, James Gunn confirmed that it wasn't him speaking English. It was that the audience was now part of the Guardians. Of the Guardians. And we can hear. And we can understand. Understand Groot. Exactly. So, yeah. So that was, that was really nice. That was a really nice moment. Um. Yeah, the way the movie kind of ends where nobody died, right? But we all felt... Well, the high evolutionary. Well, yeah. Yeah, he definitely died. Uh, But we all felt like this... At least I did. I felt this sense of, like, loss because this band is breaking up. Like, this group... It felt really uh, final. It did. It felt like it stuck. 
Yeah. It was going to stick. And it didn't seem disingenuous necessarily. Like, we're going to get another Guardians movie. I know that we're going to see these people again. I know that Gamora's still going to be, like, back in the mix. And, like, most other MCU movies, if they have some sort of scene like this, you'd be like, oh, whatever. Like, the Avengers are going to get back together. Right. But for some reason, like, a great example of that is uh, at the end of Civil War, right? (laughs) Like, the movie hasn't even ended. And, like, Steve Rogers sends him a phone. Hey, if you ever need me, call me. And it's like, Mm -hmm. we couldn't even get to the end of the movie. And you're already, like, trying to reunite him. Here in this one, we we can sense that finality uh, Mm -hmm. in the characters, in their story arcs. How, like... Everyone, you know, Mantis, Drax, Nebula especially. Mm-hmm. Nebula's character from Guardians 1 all the way till now is what such... What an arc. What an arc of a character. Um, just finding who she really is and mm-hmm. what role she plays. She yeah. doesn't want to exactly be like a leader of a group like this, but <laughs> being able to help like a, a new city kind of mm-hmm. like get its bearings down and stuff, that was perfect for her. Yeah. And then, uh, yeah, so Peter Quill finally goes to Earth, reunites with his grandfather, the one that kicked him out of the room when his mother was dying. Um, yeah. Cathartic moment, full circle. Mm-hmm. Every time I do full circle, I do like the... You do a little circle in the I air. do a yeah. little circle it, in the people air. People can't see it, but I can. Yeah. I can. do have a, la- a few last minute notes. Go ahead. Okay. The High Evolutionary looks like Robocop. <laughs> just like star lord says okay yep. in fact i was like man he looks like robocop and then peter quill says like he insults him with the robocop in the middle of like this grand you know insult peter quill style and i was like oh my god he <laughs> like he nailed it uh toy story so i thought the high evolutionary reminded me of sid from toy story and really? all of the experiment animals were like the frankenstein toys oh wow oh okay 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 yeah all right that you know what i can see it now yeah i can see it. i didn't it didn't register for me no no no. that's absolutely the case <laughs> nice and um did you notice the sistine chapel homage with um oh my god the golden boy what's his name adam warlock Adam Warlock, when he saves Peter Quill, they have like yes. that moment where like the fingers are like touching. It's very Adam and God. It in, is the uh, like Chapel. the most like yeah. <laughs> non subtle <laughs> moment that they had for sure. The War Pig was played by Judy Greer. I just read that. I yes. just read that. I. I <laughs> they. They used like previous MCU women for the voices, which is pretty fun. I like it. I yeah. like it. Keep them working. Yeah. yeah. They're under contract for something. Yeah. And if, if they're not going to be in a movie, well, we'll just throw you in this other one. Yeah. I like it. <laughs> and Peter Quill kept saying in the third act, like, it's not a trap. It's a face off. It's a face off. And at the end, Gamora literally takes off the villain's face mask. So it really is a face off. Yes, it is. Face off. Yeah. As Nick Cage would say, take his mm-hmm. face off. Oh, my God. Yes. So 
mid credit scene, there was like an animal stampede and the new guardians were there and they were going to like fix the situation somehow with the animals. Yeah, this is kind of introducing us like a soft uh like a soft launch of this new guardians team so why did the animals look like the ones from star wars the last jedi i don't know the ones that were like they were racing on that planet oh (laughs) yeah on uh oh what's the name that casino planet yes canto bite canto bite (laughs) yes nobody likes that um yeah you know what they do look like them. I didn't put it together. And I was like, they seem familiar. Mm-hmm. Like, I, I was trying like to place it. And yeah. yeah, you're right. They do look like those animals. Um, Yeah, I don't know why they did And that. it's a desert planet. So I was like. Of course. What is this? <laughs> what in the Star Wars? <laughs> Lastly, Andy Serkis executive produced the motion capture for the movie. Nice. Yeah. Nice. Um, yeah, that's exactly who should be leading everything is Andy Serkis mm-hmm. because mm-hmm. he is fantastic. Yep. Um, so apparently something in the, in the movie, there was a, there was a song that Gunn was trying to get, uh, but he was never able to get, because I guess due to some legal battle, he was never able to get the mo- the song. Uh, the song itself was, um, let me see here. I just, I was just reading it. Cruel to be kind. <gasps> Gotta be cruel to be kind. That one? Uh, I got a feeling it's not that one. Cruel to be kind. Oh. Unless, unless that's a cover of a previous cruel to be kind. Uh, this one says by Nick Lowe. It's probably different. Uh, it's probably different, and or maybe it's the same song, but it just happens to be, you know, like the one we know. Yeah, is yeah, probably. Yeah. Uh, it's yeah, I think it's yeah, a cover. It, it is a cover. It's a cover. The one we know is a cover. Yeah, so it's exactly that song. Apparently, he tried to get it for each of the three movies. Like he tried to each time to get that song, <laughs> but the song has been in a legal battle for like years. So he hasn't been able, he was never able to get the rights to the song. Oh, dang. The one that got away. The one that got away. So he must have had uh, some plan for it for sure. But yeah, it was the one that he couldn't get. All right. So overall, I think that a lot of people have talked about, like, especially the last few movies, is like they feel like the MCU has kind of like slowed down. Uh, people are feel like it's in a bad place. I think people are making too big of a deal of like the last <laughs> movie, uh, Quantumania, with how it was. I think people are making too big of a deal. It's like, no, oh, the MCU's dead. Eh, let's. I don't think it's dead. I just think it's that been dead. <laughs> not where I was going at all. The way that you just like froze. I don't think I. I wasn't going there at all. Well, we have wildly different stances on the MCU as it is. That is very true. Um, I think that there is exciting things that are coming down the pike from them, but not everything's going to be like this amazing major event. Not everything will be. And there are going to be things that are definitely going to be skippable for sure. Mm -hmm. For sure. 
Um, so we'll see how that goes going forward for the MCU. Um, so yeah, so those are our thoughts on Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 3. I did want to thank everybody for sticking with us who noticed that we were gone for a few weeks. And thank you for listening to this episode. Uh, we still haven't decided for next week what we're going to do because next week is Mother's Day. Yeah. Um, so we will try to figure that out. We'll probably let you know through our socials. And if you are following us on our socials, then you know that our handle is at AlwaysCriticPod. And if you didn't know, there it is, at AlwaysCriticPod. You can find us on all the socials. Uh, if you haven't subscribed on your favorite podcast app yet, go ahead and do that right now. Always the Critic Podcast is how you can find us. And then finally, you can become a patron. Great way for you to get involved and show your support. Check us out on patreon.com slash alwayscriticpod. And so with that, that has been our episode. I'm Rico. And I'm Jessica. And this has been the Always the Critic Podcast.